blessing it is to have talented musicians and artists leading us, huh? Awesome. Such a blessing. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, you know the stuff about love with the fourth Sunday of Advent that I was speaking a little bit about earlier. Um, this morning, a little bit of intersection between love and work. Uh, and so in a way to try to do that, we thought we'd uh, talk to one of the Lakelanders around here that does this extremely well. It's a great model of love at work. And so Steve Hans is going to join me. Steve, would you come up? And we're just going to spend a, a few minutes in conversation. I just have a few questions for Steve, and we're going to talk about how love and work intersect for him. Steve and Lisa have been coming to Lakeland for about 10 years. Uh, is that right? That's nine. Nine, you got, got corrected? corrected? Okay, so corrected. a little first, first service run through, a little first yeah, service yeah. edit. I, I got a few of those too, you know. And the one laughing the loudest is the one who corrected me, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, Steve, um, you guys have been coming for nine years, and your day job, your Monday through Friday or, or more uh, work is, is where? Where do you work? Uh, Ace Pipe Cleaning, uh, downtown Kansas City. Okay, and at Ace Pipe, uh, what do you do at Ace Pipe? Uh, president. President, company. CEO. Yep. Head yeah. guy. Yep. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Ace Pipe for those of us that may not know. What do you, what do you guys do? What is Ace Pipe? Um, well, we're, um, we're turd wranglers. So we're <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we, we work in the sewer business and storm business and water. You just said turd wrangler. Yes, sir. Okay. Mark the tape. You just said turd wrangler on stage. Uh, <laughs> well, well, our motto is, is, is your poop is our soup. So that's why we're, <laughs> so we, we got that on the back of our truck. So. You got it on the back of a truck? No matter what the economy does, we're always... Always got lots of business. Strange thing, huh? <laughs> All right. So, not only sewage. What other kind of stuff are you guys uh, involved? We're power in? plants, chemical plants. Okay. And we work all across the Midwest, mm -hmm. Texas, Arizona. And what kind of what size of company is this? What do you got? Uh, I have How 160 people. people that, okay. uh, 160 me. folks working yep. for Ace Pipe all over the country. You got yep. crews all over the place. Yes, sir. Very good. Okay, so let's get into love. Uh, you know, reason we brought you up here is some of the things that you do as a workplace leader, as a president of your company, of a hundred leader of 160 people plus. Uh, how's love play out for you at Ace Pipe, Steve? What are you doing? Uh, well, one of the things we've been uh, doing for years is uh, bringing people in, second chances. Uh, we'll hire people getting out of prison, work release programs. Uh, we work with an amazing group in Kansas City. It's called the Full Employment Council, and they help people in the zip codes that have very high unemployment. They help them find jobs. They teach them how to work. You know, show up every day, and we bring them in, and they partner with us to get get them working, mm. learn a new skill. Okay, why? You know, in in my context, and probably most of our work life context, it's I want to interview, I want to hire the best and the brightest. The human capital, human resources are critical for you, for us. Why would you choose full employment council folks, and and why would you choose that form of love uh, with folks that are needing a second or third or fourth or fifth chance? Why'd you do that? Well, we are a for-profit company, and with profits, we are able to hire more people, buy more equipment, uh, but we also want to invest in the community. I, you know, this whole, uh, when I started coming to Lakeland 9.3 years ago, uh, <laughs> when I started coming to Lakeland then, it's, uh, you know, we started to look at our community we were in, which was a very struggling, poor community, as, uh, you know, the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, the words of Jesus kind of haunt you after you hear them a few times that, uh, you know, you'll find me in the poor, you'll find me in the broken, and in the, in the, you'll see me in prison, you know. And uh, so we kind of take that to heart, and we want to be part of that community. We're not perfect. We, we have uh, hits and misses, but we, uh, we try to be part of that community and try to be an uplifting force. 
yeah. and represent God. We want to honor God with what he's blessed us with. Big picture uh, for Ace Pipe, um, what have the tangible results been for a for-profit company with this type of hiring philosophy, this type of love being played out from you and the people that work at Ace Pipe? What, what you, What's happened today's pipe because of that? Well, in the last nine years, ten years, we've uh, doubled in size, and uh, in two years in a row, this year and last year, we've had record sales and record profits. Huh. So, so, so ten years ago, if we looked at Ace Pipe, you had less than eighty employees. Oh yeah, and now you've got one hundred and sixty. Yeah. And the last two years, you have record record revenues. Rec record revenues and record profits. So, yeah, God's good. Yeah, He is yes, good. Yes, He is. Yeah, yeah He is. Um, That's good. Yeah, it's cool. Maybe not the, the uh, results that maybe the business world or what we'd expect if you were doing love and mission and second and third chances, but uh, it, it's a good place to work, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's a... What, what uh, you know, personal story. You, know, you, you shared one during first service about a guy that works at Ace Pipe that you've gotten a chance to, to watch change. And so uh, what's, what's happened with personal stories and individuals? Well, one that stands out is his uh, name is Jeremy, and he's just one of, the, he's, he's one of my heroes. Um, he came on board over 10 years ago, uh, struggled with drug addiction, uh, ended up in prison for it, um, got out, and uh, we gave him a second chance, and he made it for about a year, um, fell off the wagon, in fact, ended up back in prison again, and then he came out again, and a third time, and uh, we let him, we let him uh, linger in a temp service for, for a few months to make sure that, that what he was telling me was sticking, and he was doing the right things in rehab and, and counseling. And we brought him on a third time, and now he's been with us. He's one of our field supervisors, stand-up guy. And like I shared first service, I mean, just a couple weekends ago, he showed up at our office on Saturday morning dressed in his coach's outfit, little girl, son, coaching the football team. And, uh, you know, I went to the back room and cried. So uh, <laughs> I couldn't let him see me cry, but I went back to the back room and cried because it was just such an amazing story, you know, that God has changed this man's life. That's amazing. That's and I got great. to take part in it just a little bit. So it's yeah, kind of cool. So, well, that's very cool. What, uh, what backlash, what roadblocks uh, have you received from customers or uh, from employees? Or what, what problems does this form of love create for you as a leader? Yeah, we get it back. We get pushback from employees some. I mean, there's a safety issue, and we're bringing these guys in, and some of them have had some pretty tough uh, crimes some, uh, in a rough past. So we're trying to be as cautious as possible. Uh, we don't. We haven't hired anybody yet that shot their boss. So it's. I, I, we we got to we got to work with you for a while before we bring you bring you in. So, um, but uh, customers too. The way we do business. Uh, the way we did business ten years ago and longer. Um, you know we we danced on the unethical side. You know, especially with entertainment things, and uh, we don't do that anymore. So I have uh, we've actually lost a few clients that, and they've given their business somewhere else. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because of the stand that you've yeah. taken and yeah. the stuff that you're doing, and hadn't yeah. really hurt you a whole lot since you got double the employees and and uh, yeah. record revenues the last couple of years. I'm a quiet little voice. I don't say much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, you know, Steve, that was a total lie. Yeah, it's a total lie. You said to keep well, it funny. So. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> You're good at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steve, you're a blessing to Lakeland and you and Lisa and all the service that you've done around here and the story of Ace Pipe and is, uh, is ought to be told. I'm glad that we did this today. Thank you for, oh, for thank you. allowing us to quiz you a little bit, allowing us to put you up here in the light and share with us how love and work intersect for you. It's a challenge to all of us. So. I need a little tan. I mean, this is yeah, this it's a little, a little I, I was laughing at you earlier, like, man, that bald spot sure shows up well, but now I'm like, what? mine does too. <laughs> it's 
spot. It's bright up here. I got a ball spot. Yeah, you got uh, a little one working on the front there, brother. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, let's give Steve and uh, his story of Ace Pipe a round of applause. Wait, wait till you see Garrett's. <laughs> well, let's learn to pray and take our souls to God. So sit back in your seat, put both feet on the ground, sit down your Bible and your coffee and your phone, and open your hands in your lap like you're an open book because if you believe in the maker then you got to believe that you're an open book the bold part is yours this day is your gift to me I take it Lord from your hand and thank you for the wonder of it everyone God be with me in this your day every day every way with me for me in this your day may the love and affection of heaven be toward me all that I am Lord all that I do Lord everything I work for everything I hope for the troubles that weary me the thoughts that disturb me each that I pray for, each that I care for, show me what a blessing it is that I have work to do, and sometimes, and most of all, when the day is overcast and my courage faints, let me hear your voice saying, you are my beloved one in whom I am well pleased. Help me to find my happiness my acceptance of what is your purpose for me in friendly eyes and work well done in quietness born of trust and most of all in awareness of your presence in my spirit nighttime is when thieves come thieves and wild animals that's why this time of year, we shepherds stay on these hills with the flocks all night. The young lambs are born this time of year. They're vulnerable to attack. It's an important job, I suppose, especially if you're the man who owns all these sheep. But personally, I always wanted to be a rabbi to pray through the day and to interpret the ancient texts and to share the good news of the prophets with friends and family and village. But my father was a shepherd and all my uncles are shepherds. My grandfather was a shepherd. And becoming a rabbi is expensive. It takes special training and my family could not afford that. I told my dad once when I was young, when I grow up, I want to be a rabbi. And my father said to me, keep tending sheep. The Lord wants another prophet. He can call you from the fields like he did Amos. Prophet Amos was a shepherd, you know. We shepherds love the prophet Amos. And I love the Lord my God with all my heart, 
and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. Which is why sometimes I feel so guilty that I haven't done more with the mind he gave me than to tend sheep. And then there was that night in Bethlehem. We were on the hillside and we saw something in the sky. We, we see lots of shooting stars up here. But the tail on this one, it didn't die. It got brighter. And it got wider, like, like someone was ripping a hole in the sky. And out of that hole poured a light brighter than the sun. And it made hard-edged shadows on the ground. And, and in those dancing shadows, you could almost hear the angels singing, glory to God in the highest. And in that brilliant white light, I heard words from God. Not with my ears, but, but in my heart. And then all at once that light went back up into the sky and it was black and it was silent. And Caleb says, you all saw that too, right? Someone else said, what do we do? And I said, the Lord has just shown us something. Let's go into Bethlehem and see what it is. So we started, and somebody said, wait, wait, what about the sheep? And I said, the Lord can watch the sheep for one night. So we, we left our duties, and we went into Bethlehem. We were walking as fast as we could, and every few steps, Caleb would say, you all saw that too, Right? And then we got to the village where the houses were, and Caleb, he says, stop, stop, stop. He says, I think I'm here to find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Does anyone else think that's what you're here to find? And we all stopped dead in our tracks. Because every man on that hillside, including me, had heard those exact words. So we spread through Bethlehem, and we're poking into the animal rooms underneath the first floor of everyone's house, and we weren't really quiet about it either. And so people were coming out of their houses with clubs and swords and saying, what are y'all doing out here in the middle of the night? And Caleb would say, we heard the angels singing. So we're looking for a baby in your feed trough? And they'd say, bunch of drunks, and go back in their house. And then we got to the public hostel. And in the animal room underneath, we heard a baby cry. Sounds a lot like a baby goat, but if you're a shepherd, you can tell the difference. And I got down under that low roof and I started in. And Caleb comes in behind me and says, is this really happening? And I was terrified to get to the back of that stable. I don't know why. When I did, I saw him. 
a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And I prayed, panic, Lord, God, what do you want me to do with this? I'm not a rabbi. I'm a shepherd. And in that moment, I remembered the last words of the shepherd, prophet Amos. In those days, I will restore David's fallen tent, rebuild its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it back as it used to be. The restoration of King David's line was right in front of me. I was seeing it. And I knew I had to tell somebody. It wasn't hard. Bethlehem is a very small village, and news of a gang of shepherds roaming through the night, poking in everyone's stable, spread really fast. They met us in the streets, in a mob. And I told them. I told them about the angels on the hillside. I told them about the words of the prophet Amos. I reminded them that this is Bethlehem, David's ancient home. I proclaimed the birth of the Messiah. And for a few hours, I was a rabbi. We told that story a hundred times that night. Every time somebody else would come out of their house and say, what's going on out here? They'd make us tell it all over again. We told it and we told it. Until finally, there didn't seem to be anything else to do about it. So we went back to our flocks. But we were never the same. The next morning, I got up, and I went to my rabbi's house, and I said, Teacher, I don't care what it takes. I want to become a rabbi. I want to proclaim the Messiah. And the rabbi said to me, Why would you want to be demoted to the rank of a mere rabbi in the kingdom of God? I didn't understand. And he sat me down, and he said, Preachers, rabbis, they have a role in the community. They are not the center. When we gather together for worship, they're important then. They choose the prayers, they organize it, they rally us all together, they interpret the ancient text. But when it's time to leave the synagogue, go out of the temple and into the world to do the work of God... Where is the rabbi then? No. If the Lord wanted to appear to a bunch of rabbis, he could have. He chose you shepherds. You might as well have chosen a gang of fishermen or a tent maker or a nurse or someone who drives a forklift in a factory. See, the Lord makes each man and woman, and he only asks that each of them hear his call, answer it, and tell another. He said, when a man has a fight with his wife, does he run to the rabbi's house the next morning to sort that out? No. The first person he tells is his friend at work in a carpentry shop. 
And if that carpenter friend is not prepared to minister to that man, his marriage may be lost. When a woman is being abused by her husband, does she flee to the preacher's house for refuge with her children? No. She goes first to the home of a woman she trusts in her weekly Bible study. She takes refuge with her family. And if that woman and her family are not prepared to minister to this woman and her children, they may be lost. When a student in school despairs of their very life, do they tell the rabbi they're thinking about harming themselves? No, they tell a classmate. And that classmate, for a few minutes, becomes a minister, even if they're only 16 years old. Students, I think, have the greatest opportunity to be missionaries in our world. Because students, you know, in the places where they are, all the hearts are still an open book. In a school, all the moral questions still end in a question mark. On a campus, the lust for money has not yet taken hold because everyone's still broke. There's no mortgages to attend to, no children to raise. No, I think students have the best opportunity to be missionaries in the world where they are. What a waste of a student's school year if all they accomplish is to be the star quarterback or the lead role in the next musical. No, I think if all of us quit our vocations tomorrow so we could serve the God and be a rabbi and we all crowded into the temple together, then the world outside is left with no ministers and the world is lost. So go back to your flocks, shepherd. Go back to your congregation of shepherds where the Lord has already used you. I promise you, in 2,000 years, people won't even know for certain if there was a rabbi in Bethlehem. But they will all know that the first evangelist of the Messiah was a group of shepherds. He's right. If you have seen the Messiah, if you have been saved by Christ, if you have been healed by God, if you have heard his presence in prayer, if you have felt his truth touch your family, you have witnessed a sacred miracle. And you should tell someone about it. But not in here. Out there, where you came from. Tell your family what God has done for you. Tell your neighbors what you've seen of Jesus the Christ. Tell the family that's sitting next to you at the bleachers at that ball game. Tell it in the factory. Tell it in the staff meeting. Tell it in the office. If those people don't hear it from you this week, if they don't see it alive and working in you this week, next week they will not come to a place like this to hear it from a balding, cut-rate rabbi. <laughs> if you have heard the angels sing, go back to your flock of shepherds and tell it. By all means, do not dream that someday you'll leave your vocation and serve the Lord by being a missionary because the real work of the gospel is done by engineers and grocery store shelf stockers and people that work in daycares and drive forklifts in factories. When they take on a role 
an elder, a leader for children, a greeter at the door. When they take on a role of a confidant at work or the home where all children from the neighborhood are welcome and every child in the block can find a spiritual parent, that's where the real work of the gospel is done. That family in the stable, their names were Mary and Joseph. And they settled here in Bethlehem and lived with this for two years. And I used to go to their house a couple of times a week because I wanted to stand up someday and say, with these hands, I changed the Messiah's diapers. <laughs> and one day when I was there, Mary thanked me. She thanked me for coming to the stable that night. How could I not? I said, I'd heard angels on the hillside. And she said, I heard an angel once too. It doesn't stick with you as long as you think it would. The miracles of God, they're easier to forget than you think. It's easy to forget what God has done and to tell yourself you imagined the entire chain of events. But when you shepherds came and you told me what you had seen and that you had heard it too, that Jesus was the Christ, I knew I had not imagined it and I believed all over again. So you see, Telling what God has done, even to people who already believe it, is not a waste of time. Isn't that why we gather together here? Every week, it seems, every seven days, we need a place to come and to look around and say, you saw that too, right? So I'm not crazy, and neither are you. We need a place where we can stand. Let us stand together. And we can look to the one on our left and the one on our right and say, you've seen this too, right? You've seen the work of the Christ, have you not? And you, have you seen the work of Jesus Christ? I know you've seen God at work. And you, have you given yourself to this Messiah? I know you've seen the work of the Lord. You told me yourself. So what are you waiting for? Go back to your flocks and share this good news. Well, remain standing, everyone, as we leave with the good word. And please, you're cordially invited Wednesday evening at 4 and 5.30 for Christmas Eve service. Bring all your friends and family and co-workers and neighbors. It'll be a really special day. <coughs> I'll tell you when to come in. Wait with watchful heart. Listen carefully through the stillness. Listen, hear the telling of the waves upon the shore. Listen, hear the song of the angels glorious. Ever come, ever long it will be heard that his foot has reached the earth. News that the glory is come. Truly his salvation is near for those who fear him and his glory shall dwell in our land. And now join me. Watch and pray. The Lord shall come. Those who are longing await His appearing. Those who listen await His cry. Watch, wait, listen.